1: Another episode of Full Court Press brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight is Juwan Carter. What's up, Jawan? What's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Just some fucking crazy NBA shit. That's what's going on, man. This this uh this first topic, man, it's a doozy. We're gonna definitely need a lot of time to get into this one. Uh but uh before we do that, uh we also have Luke Alves joining us. Uh Luke, what's up, man?
2: Not much man
1: uh glad to be back
2: back in Atlanta, you know now from vacation, but uh yeah, like you said crazy uh
1: crazy little uh this past week with some news yeah like i I feel like crazy is almost like an understatement like uh like what's the what's the uh like a synonym for crazy that's even crazier than crazy like i uh I don't know. You maybe throw an adjective onto it like baffling. Um, it's almost baffling bafflingly crazy. Yeah, like um something like that uh cuz man, this this story just runs deep. So, let's just let's just offer our listeners a, a quick recap of everything that's going on with Minnesota as of late. Um so, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows about, like, these ongoing problems between the team. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's been kind of quietly spoken about and then little outbursts here or there, but it's mostly been kept under wraps until now. Um, so, basically, Jimmy Butler met with, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau and, and I would imagine other uh, Minnesota higher-ups on Tuesday in Los Angeles. And... Essentially, uh, after the meeting, uh, or maybe during the meeting, requested a trade uh, naming the Clippers, the Nets, and the Knicks as his preferred destinations, the Clippers being his, I guess, number one destination, according to uh, Woj. And so that that's kind of the basic of the story. And then in comes the Twitter beef. Um, we, I mean, shit, we've got... Um, Andrew Wiggins' brother, Nick Wiggins, uh, chiming in, uh, saying hallelujah to the report. We got Butler firing back at him, uh, talking about keep that same energy and obvious, like, kind of kind of slight at Andrew Wiggins. Um, you know, then we got uh, Steven Jackson jumping in uh, because, I mean, of course Stack's going to get in on this. Um, and, of course, Stack would... Uh, you know, be uh, like Jimmy Butler would be a stack guy. Like that's, that's Steven Jackson's kind of player would be Jimmy Butler. Like that's, that's pretty much like Jimmy Butler is a more talented Steven Jackson. Uh, Like if you, if you were to kind of look at it um, as far as personalities are concerned. And so, I mean, this, this just keeps going. And then today, just a few hours ago, I read a report, uh, a a, a rumor that's been floating around now, uh, that apparently Jimmy Butler, uh, may have, uh, slept with Carl Anthony Towns girlfriend or ex-girlfriend now. Um, and I don't know enough about his relationship situation to know if they were like a casual relationship or a serious relationship or any of that. And I don't really care. Um, but nevertheless, like i I mean, who knows if it's true, but your evidence, which there's not a whole lot of, but there's a little back and forth on Twitter um of course, when Jimmy Butler uh kinda um you know had had a few words to to throw out to uh Gabrielle Union when she posted up uh something uh Dwayne Wade clapped back real quick and was like, "Hey, bro, like fuck it, keep keep your mouth shut, you know." Um, to which Jimmy was like, all right, dog, like, no worries. Um, and, uh, yeah, so maybe adding a little context to that, we we know that things of this nature would make their way around NBA locker rooms far before they would, you know, get to any of us. So maybe I, I, I could see how that would have at least add a little bit of credibility to the rumor. Um, but also, just for my money, like – we all know that one guy, like, maybe you work with who, like, say your girlfriend's visiting you at work, and, like, she's going to surprise you or something, and so you, like, see her, like, across the, you know, the workplace or whatever, and she's, like, talking to that one dude, and you're, like, I'm going to cut this conversation off real fucking quick. Like, that one dude who you're just, like, nah, Jimmy Butler is that dude. He's got that swagger. Like, you do not want him talking to your girl. um So... I don't, I don't know. We'll leave it at that as far as that's concerned. But all of this fucking shit, out of everything that has happened, um, basically what it all comes down to it is Jimmy Butler wants to be traded, and they need to trade him. Luke, what are your thoughts on this kind of whirlwind of events, um, Minnesota in general, Tom Thibodeau's role in all of this, uh, and Jimmy Butler, where do you think he will be traded to? Or who do you think will end up trading for him, I should say? Um, and where would you like to see him? If you could pick any team for him to get traded to, you know, what would be your most preferred destination for him?
2: I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I remember talking, we talked about this not too long ago. I mean, as a possibility, like early in the summer, you kind of heard – Butler wasn't happy with just the whole energy of the whole team and everything, and then him and Carl Towns and all that stuff. It's kind of crazy how, I mean, it's it's come, like, all the way to this now. And, I mean, I find it funny. Tom Divido's I read a report that said he would rather go than Jimmy Butler, and I'm like, well, dude, you should just go regardless, but it's already (laughs) already lost. It's already lost for Jimmy Butler And that boat. That boat's sailing. You need to go, too, but...
0: That's a whole yeah. different
2: thing, but, I, I mean, I think it's crazy. I mean, they obviously didn't – I mean, Minnesota really didn't do anything this summer, too, to, like, make him more happy, like, you know, appeal to him. I mean, they didn't have that much money, but still they didn't do anything to make him better, and Gibbs just random like, runs those those guys down so I can see that, and just, you know, like you said, the whole little beef, uh, obviously he has that with Wiggins, I mean, that little shot that – he gave the Wiggins' brother, I thought, was great, the little – had the same energy. I was like, man, dude. Yeah. Uh, right there to your face, dude. Like, he just faced <laughs> himself. So he's gone. I, I think it's crazy that it, it's this – like, it's come this fast. I mean, other things take a while. I mean, he does have his three destinations. But, I mean, you know all NBA things. I mean, Kawhi had his three destinations. Kyrie had his three destinations. Do any of these guys get traded to their destinations? Nope. So, nope. no. I don't know why these destinations mean a lot. I mean, out of the three, I don't know who I want him to go to because right now he's not going to make an impact on any of the three. I mean, if he goes to the Clippers, you're going to have to give up Tobias Harris and something else. So, your team kind of, I mean, he doesn't have another kind of guy at his side to make that team compete. Um, Knicks right now, I mean, you have to, I don't know who they give up as the young talent, but uh, Kristoff is injured, so you're giving up one of your young guys that's going to take away from your team and all that. And then the Nets, I mean, the Nets are interesting because they could they give up some things. I don't know if Minnesota wants some things, but, I mean, you right. can try to entice them with some, you know, they have their two first-round picks. I don't think that would stop them from putting that in the trade, you know. I mean, they've been without so many picks already for so many years. I mean, if I can get Butler, and he's already told me, because rumor is, too, he might do, I think, I don't know if it's true, but I read that he might consider doing the four-year 155 extension when getting traded to these teams. So he's already committing to that that big extension. So, yeah, so I read that, that he might tack that on. So that one could be a lot. So that could be he really could realistically be traded to those three teams if that's real. But, I mean, like I said, if what have you ever seen? The guy that picks the three destinations really gets chosen for the session agent. So there's all that. I mean, I think it's just crazy. The Minnesota organization. I would do it though, uh, because obviously Butler can just leave. So I would try to get out of, something out of them depending on what you do. But I just, I'd start building around Carl Anthony Towns again and just show them that you know this is our team. But I think it's it's gonna happen. It should happen before the start of the season. It'll be bad if they drag this out past Christmas, but. You know, I mean, what team is going to want to throw down for a guy that has these three teams that he's going to put extensions? to now those three? I mean, Clippers can do it. I've seen some trades. I mean, if they really want to give up Shea Gillis-Alexander, I wouldn't, but give up him and Tobias Harris and a first-rounder for Jimmy Butler. I mean, you can make it work, uh, I guess, but I don't know if I'd want to do that if I'm Clippers necessarily. Right. I want Shea. But and if I'm Minnesota, I want Shea as well. Like, I want the point guard to run with Carl Anthony Town and maybe Andrew Wiggins, whether Andrew Wiggins is. It's, um, so, you know, it could be a benefit for the young guys again, but it's just crazy that they went from a fun team finally making the playoffs, got the eight seed, fought for it, and all that, to very quickly hearing some locker room issues to now it's full circle and he wants out. So we'll see where he goes. I I mean, uh, there's probably a bunch of dark horse teams out there. I mean, I could see a lot of I mean, Denver could do it if Denver really yeah. wanted to take that risk. I wouldn't give up Gary Harris. If I'm Denver, I'm like, try I it. Know. Or, uh, yeah, I wouldn't do Gary Harris either, but I'm just trying to say, I mean, there's some dark horse teams. Like, like no one saw Toronto coming in there, but Jamar DeRozan's a good trade off. If I'm about to give you one of the best three people, I'm, I want a guy that. I mean, not up to the caliber, but I want
1: a guy that can help me compete kind of So It'll be interesting what all shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. I think, to me, the most interesting team out of the three teams he listed, to me, is the Nets because of the picks that they have. Um, Whereas the Knicks have all of their first-round picks, but, I mean, they literally just said, we're not going to trade our first-round picks. Um, So, I mean, granted, maybe they would – kind of renege on that i doubt it i really don't think so i don't think they're really in a position to do that um but if you're the nets and here's what i would try to do i know i i threw out a trade to all of y'all earlier um in the in the chat but i'm gonna throw this out there i would i would be sh- strongly interested in in swapping alan crab for jimmy butler and 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 figuring out what you would have to attach to make that deal work. Um, Now, obviously, you would have to attach a lot, but you have a lot of young players. You have the Denver pick. You have your own pick. Um, But if you could do that and get off Alan Crabb's money next season, so you get Jimmy Butler, you can sign another max slot player, and then you still have cap space uh, to either sign somebody else or – another max uh, player the following season uh, when the salary cap jumps up uh, what $17 million from what it'll be this year uh, which we'll get into later that to me could be very very interesting for uh, Brooklyn and they're sort of very well equipped to do that the question is is Minnesota willing to take back Alan Crabb now Alan Crabb is a very serviceable player he would certainly fit as far as just positionally, um, but, like, what are you? What would you have to attach to that uh, so it makes it kind of worth their while? Um, I don't know. I, I, it's so hard to estimate what Jimmy Butler's value is right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 honestly, it's hard to estimate what the Timberwolves really want. Um, do they want young talent? Do they want I, – I would think not. I mean, I would think they would want – players who can come in and contribute immediately. And if you want that, the Clippers are by far the best direction to go. I mean, if you can get uh, Tobias Harris, um, you know, and, you know, a handful of other, uh, you know, prospects, players, combination of, you know, et cetera, like maybe that is, is more appealing uh, to them, but here's the thing, like, Tobias Harris, a free agent after next season, so you might be trading for him just to walk away, too, and then what are you getting out of the deal? So, like, I don't know, I I might be inclined to make a deal with the Nets, even if I had to take Alan Crabb, who's, you know, obviously overpaid, um, but if you can get, you know, a serviceable, serviceable shooting guard for the next two seasons, albeit an overpaid one, but then also get a lot of assets in return, because you're taking on a contract and you're putting Brooklyn in a very advantageous position to go after other um, big name free agents. Maybe that's maybe that's something worth you know worth a look for both sides. See that's the thing. I think if you're Brooklyn, the biggest thing to me is is I don't want to swap expiring contracts for expiring contracts. Um, mainly because I can sign Jimmy Butler next season and go out and sign somebody else. So like I would much rather, if I'm going to make a trade, I'd rather be getting Alan Crab's money off the books and I'll give you extra assets in return for taking that contract. Um, but I don't know. Like you said, Luke, it's, it's, it's a tough situation to predict, but, uh, before, you know, we get into, um, uh, I, I do want to uh, kind of we'll come back around for this, but I do want to talk uh, uh, just a little bit of Thibodeau with you, Luke. I know we've done it several times, uh, and you and I have been the, pretty much the, uh, the 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 front runners uh, on you know uh, him needing to go. Um, but nevertheless, before we do that, Jawan, I just want to know your thoughts on this. Just clusterfuck of convoluted calamity that is going on in Minnesota right now.
3: Well, Luke made the point before that you don't want to have this linger throughout the season. I'd I'd go as far as to say media day is Monday. Training camp is Tuesday. You don't want Jimmy Butler in that locker room or during media day with all this going on. Um, So if I'm the Timberwolves, I'm either smoothing my locker room, which Seems like it's well past. Um, or I'm trying to get Jimmy out immediately. Now, Luke, you made the point before um, when guys make a list, like they never get sent there as so like point of the list. The list is good for the other NBA teams because if I'm the Knicks, Nets, and Clippers, I now know what I need to do to get Jimmy now heading into the season. Or if I'm gonna say, you know what, I'm one of the three destinations. I can have a good season and then make a full pitch for him in the offseason. It's just good to know way ahead of time without doing all the Magic Johnson-like stuff that he did with Paul George, without having to go through any of that. A player to just come out and go, yeah, I want to be traded, and you're one of the three teams that I want to go to. It's just good. It helps you prioritize. It helps you figure out exactly how you want to paint the season. Um, you guys made good points with the Nets. I'd say if I'm, if I'm Jimmy Butler, and let's say I get traded somewhere and me as a Knicks fan is going to hurt to say, if I was Jimmy, the best place I would want to go to is Clippers mainly because if I go to LA, let's say Kawhi has an amazing year this year. Uh, He's really thinking about staying in Toronto. I would say, dude, remember how you wanted to play in LA? What if me and you team together and try to bring LA back, back on the map? Like LeBron's not going to be around forever. Like, we can at least try to be, like, super competitive going up against LeBron, and then we'll still be competitive once he leaves. But let's let's bring the Clippers uh, – let's bring the Clippers possibly a championship at some point. Uh, let's play together here. That is a possibility. Kawhi did express – well, his camp expressed interest in playing in L.A. Um, and Jimmy Butler is not the kind of player that you go, nah, you're not really good enough for me to go play with. Like, I don't think there's anyone on Toronto that's uh, – that's anywhere near what Jimmy Butler is. So it's like, it's, it's a thought. It's well enough to
1: to have a thought. Wait, wait, are you trying to say about. Kyle Lowry is it on the same level as Jimmy Butler?
3: <laughs> I think I'm you? trying to say Kyle Lowry is
4: on the level of
3: the towel boy. But anyway, uh, <laughs> if I'm... If I'm Jimmy Butler, like, these are, these are thoughts that I have. And as far as what you're saying about the Knicks, like, they just finished saying, like, we're not going to leverage our future by trading draft picks and stuff. I get that. But my, if, <laughs> it's funny because I know Joel is <laughs> going to completely yell at me and say this is false. I sometimes get really nervous when New York says, no, man, we'll just wait until the offseason. We feel comfortable enough to, that if we get the guy sitting in front of us, we can make a good enough pitch. Just only because, one, people usually don't take these meetings. Or when the Knicks do have these sit downs, no one really comes. So it's like, if you can give a draft pick and Frank and Courtney Leo, whatever, to make it work, to get Jimmy, to get him now, think about it. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying think about it. Because um, to me, it's like, I'm kind of curious to see exactly what the Knicks' game plan is approaching this season. Uh, like, are we going full full steam ahead with all of our young guys, just trying to, you know, excuse me, get them kind of acclimated to the, you know, to the pros. And then, like, if we have a good season, we do. If we don't, we don't. Or because they do have some nice veteran pieces there, are you making a push for something? So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm interested in seeing with the Knicks. Because if you're making a push for something, go get Jimmy. (laughs) Like, go get Jimmy Butler, and then you have him, and then you make the pitch to, to Kyrie. So it's just it's super weird on on how these teams want to work themselves. Brooklyn money wise is in like the best situation, but you got to you got to get guys sold on playing there. Like, forget the Knicks, play here in the Barclays Center. Like, you got to get guys to buy into that. I see that being a lot harder than than most. But um, yeah, I, if if I'm the Timberwolves, there's no way I'm letting Monday come around
1: where people are
3: putting an open microphone in front of Jimmy, uh, Andrew, and Carl. And then making them take photos together. Like, there's just so much about it that's just like, I don't see that happening. Jimmy might be gone uh, by the end of this weekend if if I was to take a guess uh, rather than later on in the season.
1: Well, see, and what would be really interesting, too, is, like, Jimmy Butler's the kind of dude who, like, if they don't get the trade done by Monday, like – they could be like, "Hey, don't show up to media day, like blah blah blah." And he just shows the fuck up and is like like running yeah. his mouth, like talking about like I, I don't I shouldn't say running his mouth, but like, you know, basically just being like, "I'll I'll tell you how it is. Like, I'm going to tell you how it is. Like, I'll answer your question," whereas, you know, with Cat and Wiggins, they would probably be more inclined to toe the the team line and and be like, at, at no comment or I'm not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about, you know, um, basketball or what have you. Um, whereas Jimmy Butler will just, I mean, he's the kind of guy who, who could do that. So, I mean, I think you're the right. Thing, I think there the is. Crazy, I, don't nec- I don't necessarily think that they're going to trade him before Monday, but I think there is a lot of pressure that. to do so. Um, but I'm sorry, you're Absolutely. saying the thing is.
3: No, the thing is, it's like, to get around the questions that would that people would have is like it's weird because it's not the questions aren't personal. They're about basketball. Like <laughs> this guy is on your team, is supposed to be playing with you, supposed to be together in your locker room and he wants to get out of there. Like that's a right. valid question that they're gonna get all through Media Day. Uh, right. because it is a very valid question. It's not like sure. me asking you about, did Jimmy really sleep with your girlfriend? Like, no, that's personal. But me asking you, is a guy that's on your team still going to be on your team, is a valid question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that and that does pertain to basketball, and it's, it would be uh, a perfectly um, suitable thing for any reporter to ask, and there would be many who would want to ask it. Um, I, I will say this as far as the Knicks are concerned. I, I know that they, you know, have have pretty much kind of drawn a line in the sand about trading for guys that they could sign outright. But here, here is where I would kind of be interested in in perhaps shying away from that a little bit. Like, if I could get Jimmy for, let's say, like I think the the notion that you could get Jimmy Butler for. Um, Courtney Lee and Frank Milikina is fucking ridiculous. Um, that's you're, that's that is totally not even close to enough to get Butler. I don't I don't care that his value is dipped. is still unproven. Courtney Lee is just he's older. He, I mean, sure, he could be a starting shooting guard for you, but I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna help you win games. Now, if you could, if you could get say Tim Hardaway, who's still young and can still grow with this team, um, say you could get Frank Nilakina and like a a heavily protected first round pick, like, you know, like a top 14, like a lottery protected pick. Um, Like that might be enough to make the deal work. Um, And if you're, if you're the Knicks in that situation, like if you could get Butler in there, you can let Knox develop. You can let Mitchell Robinson develop. You can let KP get healthy and if you can get Hardaway off your books and get Jimmy Butler in there, then you can use your max slot to go after a guy like Kyrie. And even if you don't get Kyrie, you could still go after Kimball Walker, you could still go after an assortment of other guys. And like that would be the foundation of a really, really good team. Now Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson are going to have going to have to develop very quickly in this scenario. Yes. Um, but they're not going to be relied upon to be the number two or even three guy. Like, um, you would have to imagine if, if the Knicks were able to acquire Jimmy Butler, um, without giving up, obviously KP is not even a question. Um, but without giving up Knox or Robinson, um, like that could fit as far as a lineup is concerned. Um, they're going to get adequate playing time this season. Um, it it it's it at it least merits um, consideration. I think if you're the Knicks, like, 1%. am I going to give up? Uh, uh, just one second. Am, am I going to give up? Um, like Milikina, uh, Hardaway and an unprotected pick? Of course not. But like, if maybe even maybe I would even entertain like a top 10 protected, but it would have to be at least top 10 protected because I'm not risking, say Jimmy Butler getting hurt and being gone for the season, getting like the number three overall pick and then having to ship that out. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I I would think the Knicks should at least entertain the idea um, of, of, of moving a first round pick so long as the, the protection on it was adequate enough to offer them, you know, some amount of security. Um, but, but Jawan, real quick before we pass it to Joel.
0: No, I was just
3: going to say really quick, uh, to what Luke was saying before about, I think, uh, Luke, you were saying you were hearing a rumor that Jimmy, uh, if he was traded to one of the three teams and signed that, that max deal, if I'm the Knicks and I know for 100% he's going to commit to that deal and sign that deal, there's not much I'm not willing to give to get a guy who's willing to fully commit to be there, not a guy who will just get traded and then walk away. Um, I'm more inclined to be more open to whatever the Timberwolves are asking about as far as picks if I know he's committing to that deal uh, fully for that full four years. So that's all I was just going to say.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. And um, also, let let me just throw out one more thing before I pass it to Joel. I'm kind of focusing on – you know, in, in this sort of scenario, of them getting a point guard. Um, in, in that scenario, like maybe you would be willing to give up, say, a Kevin Knox. And then you're keeping Milikina as your kind of defensive-minded kind of guy. Jimmy Butler is more more than equipped to be your, your ball handler and distributor. Um, he's proven time and time again that he can do that. He can be your main facilitator. Um, so you could kind of, almost play him at, at a, as a point guard-esque player, um, and then, you know, uh, hopefully maybe make a run at a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard instead of a Kyrie Irving or um, uh Kimba Walker. So, like, there's a lot of options for the Knicks there, and if you can get, you know, some kind of verbal commitment, I agree with you, Um It certainly opens the floodgates to – um, the possibilities, like the options that uh, that Minnesota would have as far as um, the pieces that they would want back, because the Knicks would be much more open to um, open to that that, that uh, dialogue if they knew Jimmy Butler was was going to sign. Um, but anyway, Joel, your thoughts on this whole shit show in Minnesota, uh, and you know, uh, obviously, out of the three teams, I would assume you would m- m- most Prefer that he go to your New York Knicks, um, but uh, also like who do you think is is kind of the most likely suitor for Jimmy Butler? And it may be one of the three teams he listed, or you know you could have somebody up your sleeve who you think is going to kind of roll in there and make a uh, make an offer um, and kind of you know steal him, i.e. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard.
4: I think that's quite possible. Honestly, um, the whole thing with Jimmy is kind of. I guess I saw the writing on the wall early a couple months ago when they, they first reported it, and I didn't think much of it because you always hear bullshit, and so I'm like, ah, oh, blew it off, and then they just got louder, and, louder. and I guess it became fire where there's was fire. This became a fucking bonfire, and, it, and it's like, okay, it's happening. He eventually, he officially called to get traded, and now we are where we are, and he he lists his team. And in my opinion, those teams are there for leverage more than anything because, you know, he's willing to sign. But it's also, these guys, these teams will also have um, uh, the ability for freedom next summer and they can lure people in. Um, They're not the first teams you think of when it comes to winning championships or making the playoffs, but they are teams that possibly have a future. So I kind of see where Jimmy's going, but at the same time, they are also kind of like leverage teams. So I could I wouldn't be surprised at all if another team came out of nowhere that wasn't on his list that made an offer and he goes bam over there. So that would actually that's probably a higher percentage than him actually going to one of the three teams that he wants to go to. Um but I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Clippers gave up enough assets to get him. Uh it would also help them in learning Kawhi. I think so someone mentioned that earlier. I think that's also not a bad get for the Clippers. They really wanna Kawhi this year. If they can go and get um Jimmy this year, instead, it would help them next year and possibly luring over Kawhi, who's already looked at it, you know at the Clippers as a, the Clippers as a possible destination. Uh, next, much as I hate them, uh, also a good place for them to regain momentum um, from where they were. Like they've been really shitty, and the fact that they've had none of their picks the last couple of years has to hurt. I mean, I hurt. I mean, it hurts me. I don't even like them, but it hurts watching them. <laughs> lose and not get anything for it. So, you know, at least if they gave up some assets and obviously not three first-round picks or anything, they might be able to get away with getting at least an asset that's willing to sign there long-term and we can help them lure people in. They have an okay young uh, young core, not like the Knicks core. I would, of course, prefer the Knicks. I, I am not one of those people that wants to just give up anybody to get Jimmy Butler. Uh, it would be a stringent on who they want we'd have to work out a decent deal that works for both sides if he's willing to sign long term I'd be more flexible with giving up a pick of course but it would have, still have to be protected in my opinion so yeah there's a lot of things that would go with that I, I, I it's just I, I also expect it to be over hopefully by the end of the week so that uh, by training camp we don't have to worry about that awkward photo op
5: yeah
1: uh yeah that that uh I don't know a part of me actually wants to see it just because it'll be like watching a train wreck <laughs> um in slow motion and it'll just be um oh so fun to talk about, but nevertheless, uh it won't be nearly as much fun to talk about the trade that happens um if, yes. if we get that I, I i still I still contend now more than ever, and I know I've been saying it um uh, to you guys the past couple of days. Um, I contend now more than ever that Toronto needs to try to trade for Jimmy Butler. And the biggest reason is, is his number one option is the Clippers. And now that he wants to go to the Clippers, uh, the writing would be on the wall for Kawhi to walk and join him in Los Angeles. If you can put those two guys together now and you can win with them in Toronto now, I, I, I honestly, I don't, care if I have to give up OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, like, I'll give up those guys. I'll, you know, like if, if I, if I have enough of that, like really good bench, you're, you know, DeLon Wright. Um, they can't trade Fred Vliet, um, unfortunately because he just signed. Um, so he's, he's not on the table. Um, but, uh, Norman Powell, um, you know, uh, CJ Miles, Serge Ibaka. I don't. I don't care. Any any package that I have to put together to make it work, I would do it um, because if you can put together uh, sort of a uh, point guard, shooting guard, small forward combination of Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, and Jawan's favorite player, uh, Kyle Lowry, then I mean, you're looking at probably the best defensive uh 1 2 and 3 like uh on a team in basketball. And if you can keep Ibaka, I'm not sure you could. I, not that not that Minnesota really would have interest in Serge Ibaka, but maybe he's needed to make the money work. Um maybe not, but maybe. So, um like that that could be very uh, uh, uh interesting. Ibaka's not nearly the, the defender he used to be, but he's still uh, you know serviceable. And, you know, I don't know. I think that could be a situation that would, you know, uh, if you were able to pull it off and you were able to keep both of those guys, which I think would be possible at least for the next couple of seasons. um, Like, I I don't know. I think that would be uh, pretty remarkable. And and I think we – I would at least say that I would put Toronto in that category uh, along with Boston of being a true contender – um, you know, to, to actually win it all. Um, and I don't know, I really can't think of the last time we've had three teams who were legitimate contenders to win it all. I mean, I don't think anybody thought anybody coming out of the East after Kyrie went down last year had a chance. Uh, against anybody in the west it was pretty much whoever won between houston and golden state houston has gotten worse golden state has gotten better um so like it, we're, we're pretty much relying on boston to be the the team right now so if you could have uh, you know another team uh to get in the mix and you know obviously toronto can't go out and sign a guy next year like any of the three teams that he mentioned, like the Lakers can, like the Sixers can, um, they have more, uh, more reason to want to trade for him. Um, I, I would also love to see Oklahoma City trade for him, but Lord knows they just don't have the fucking assets. I have tried to work out any, any number of ways in which they could potentially do it, and there just is not a way um, because, damn it, like Andre Robertson, Alex Sabrinas, Terrence Ferguson and a 2023 20, first round pick just isn't fucking enough. Um but uh <laughs> but nevertheless like I I would I I think Toronto that, that out of any team that would be the team that I would I would really like to see him in uh just because of what it would mean for the NBA and what it would mean for the parity uh for the league. Um I want to kind of throw this around real quick before we move on. Um uh, wait before we do that, Luke. I, I contend that, um, and I, I'm sure you'll agree with me here. Uh, but I just, if you, I want wanted to kind of include you in this, and, and uh, if y'all, Jawan, Joel, if y'all want to chime in, obviously feel free. Um, the fact that. I think we can all agree that that when Thibodeau made the trade and everything, like nobody faults Tom Thibodeau for making this trade. Um, Obviously, at the time, it seemed like a good idea. Um, Chris Dunn is still unproven. We didn't know Laurie Markkinen was going to be as good as he was, and I still think Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure that pairing him with Carl Anthony Towns would be the best fit for him. Um, I think the fact that he got to play next to Robin Lopez was very beneficial because Robin Lopez is a guy who gets rebounds, block shots, and plays defense. Carl Anthony Towns is not that kind of player. So I think if they had given up – if Jonathan Isaac had been the guy that the Timberwolves had given up, it would look, I think, in my opinion, a lot worse. But the fact that it was Laurie Markkinen, I don't necessarily think he was the best fit for them. Chris Dunn wasn't working out. They were able to bring in Teague. That made sense at the time. They were able to get a first-round pick out of Ricky Rubio um, and not take back any money. Um, So that was good for them. Um, So all of that, you know, all of those kind of moves made sense. But you had to see the writing on the wall sooner. It should not be three, four days before media day, and all of this shit is hitting the fan now. Tom Pibodeau, th- there were some talks over the off-season about whether they were going to keep him. Um, and I think kind of my, my best estimate as to what the prevailing theory was, was, well, if we move him now, then we're, there's no chance we're going to be able to salvage this whole situation, um, which they should have just done. They should have done that. And honestly, Tom Thibodeau should have tried to compartmentalize and said, you know what, like, this, is, this situation is not going to work out. Like, let me go ahead and see what I can maybe do in the meantime. Because here's the thing, this, this whole thing is not broken yet, but it is so close to being there because what you get back for Chivy Butler means the world as far as where this team goes in its future. So if you had pulled the trigger, say, at the draft, um, and and were able to get assets then and make, you know, more draft selections, get other added players, get your team constructed, um, you know, fit that in with how you uh, went about your offseason, you know, that would that would have made a whole lot more sense. But now you're kind of locked in and you don't, it's it's very difficult to make any sort of transactions. It's, other teams don't have cap space. They have guys signed who they, you know, can't trade until December. It just makes it very difficult. So here's – I know I'm kind of rambling here, but here's the thing. I think Thibodeau has to go. I think immediately I would bring in an interim coach, bring in an interim GM, sit down with that interim GM and say, find me the best Jimmy Butler trade you can. Um, whatever, you know, I'm going to pour through whoever I think would be the best qualified person to do it. Have them go at it and say, get me that trade. Um, because it's got to happen. And I don't think you can do that without getting rid of Thibodeau. I mean, it was what a day ago or yeah, I think it was yesterday that Tibbs came out and said, Hey, I'm still not really looking to trade Jimmy Butler right now. It's like, dude, what the fuck more do you need? Like, the dude just said I want to be traded and you're like yeah yeah but you know we'll we'll see like no you need to move him and furthermore like I think the biggest thing for me is not that Tibbs made the deal it's that he two things his refusal to see the writing on the wall that everybody else could see and furthermore um, his just the fact that The the coach-GM thing is just so so old school. It doesn't really work anymore. Um, But, Luke, uh, what are your, you know, just general thoughts on that? And um, do you kind of agree with me that they should fire him immediately and just bring in interims for the meantime to try and figure this situation out before they move forward into the regular season?
2: No, No, I mean, as much as I – just do not think Tom Thibodeau is the man for the job. You can't fire him right away. It makes sense, I'm, I know that. Yeah. But, dude, you're going to make your organization look like the worst organization in NBA. You do not want to go there. You're basically gunshot while losing your star player. That is the PR worst move ever. You're not doing it if you're the owner. you got to just take your gut for a little while, too. You can fire him in the middle of the season or depromote him or all that, but you have to just step in there. And you have to make the trade work I mean if you're gonna if ownership's gonna do something like that drastic, then step in and tell Tibbs that he's not part of the trade by himself, and he's gonna have to make a workout with what you want so that's what you can do, but if you fire him right now, your whole organization looks terrible. you look like a very terribly run organization just everything with you, you want
1: but but you, I you you I only I do, get your point though. you, you, you would you would guy. look even worse. <laughs>
2: You look even worse because you're only looking right now bad that you're not keeping one guy that has a chance to be free agent. You still have a very young core. Now, yes, we're all down on Andrew Wiggins, but he's still very young. And Carl Anthony Towns is really young still. So it's not like you're losing the world. So I would make the trade – got to make the trade happen and all that. I'd, I wouldn't go that far drastic. Yeah, I'd probably fire him later on I mean, Me, personally, you know, I just don't think Tim was a good coach. I don't think he's that bad of a GM move. Like you said, I would do the move 10 times out of 10 last year for Jimmy Butler. It worked out. We made the playoffs and all that. Just somewhere down the line, he noticed that, A, I'm a bad coach. B, I didn't do anything to make us better, just like all those Bulls years. And, C, not everyone has the same mindset on this team like me. The younger guys didn't really see – the benefit of me coming over to the team and helping them, they're kind of like, why am I taking a back seat right now? So there's just a lot of things. I think you can still get a lot out of Jimmy Butler. Um, it's interesting where he can go. Uh, Toronto would be very good for him. I mean, I guess I, I see where you're going there. But, man, that would be crazy if Toronto does that. But, yeah, I just I wouldn't be that drastic with Tom Thibodeau. I think the Nets could do it regardless of him signing an extension or not. And then I, if I'm the net, I'm just feeding in his mind, you choose the team, we'll back it. This is you, Jimmy. This isn't them coming in and taking the spotlight. This is you. This is your spotlight. This is your team. Now make it what you want. If you can get off Alan Crabb, yeah, you have a lot of money to work with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I would just say that along with Tibbs just kind of pussyfooting around with the with the Issue at hand, uh, and and having the whole off season to have figured this out and not figured it out, um, you know that's that's probably my biggest problem with with this situation. Um, and like I said, just the writing being on the wall. Um, but I, I, at the very least, I would totally strip him of his GM duties at least for this trade um, because I don't want a situation either where you have like a Bill Belichick, Jimmy Garoppolo situation where Belichick basically trades Jimmy Garoppolo for a fucking bag of chips uh, because he wants to put him on a good team. I mean, it's it's pretty well known that the Browns offered way more for Jimmy Garoppolo, but he didn't want to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to to the Browns because he didn't want him to have to play for the Cleveland Browns. He traded him to the Niners and took back less so Garoppolo could get a nice landing spot because he really liked the kid. Well, Tom Thibodeau really loves Jimmy Butler. I don't want him in charge of this situation with his close personal relationship with Jimmy Butler. I don't want that. Like, I, I think you need somebody from the outside um, trying to make the best decision for the team and to hell with Jimmy Butler uh, in, in the sense of the team because he do not want to be there anymore. So that would be that, That's what I mean. And and so, however, however, you have to go about achieving that. Fine. Um, but if if Tibbs is not willing to um, take that, either short term demotion or you know maybe you just go ahead and say you're not gonna be GM anymore. I don't know. But like if it if it comes like hell or high water and he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. It's all or nothing. I'm gonna be like, well, it's fucking nothing. You're fired. Like. <laughs> It's just, I, I I don't want to risk trading Jimmy Butler right now and not getting back the absolute most that I can. Um, so I mean, that's kind of my overall point, but I do get what you're saying. Um, firing him now would really look bad. If you were going to do it, you should have done it earlier this season. Um, but you should obviously, you know, you should have traded Jimmy Butler earlier this off season. So, um, a lot, a lot of things going on there. Um, But, you know what, Luke, like we've said, I mean, as far as most of Tom Thibodeau's decisions, um, as far as a GM, they really haven't been bad. They've really been relatively good decisions. Um, Just his close personal nature to this one scares me a little bit. Um, But, guys, really quick before we move on, Joel, uh, did you have anything to add to the the Thibodeau thing and – just as a, as an NBA fan, not as a Knicks fan, but just objectively, um, is there any team out there that you would just really love to see Jimmy Butler on, um, regardless of
4: how it would happen or what have you? Not really. I have not none in particular. I'm open to him going wherever the fuck he goes. You uh, know, I'm I'm not very open minded like that. Um, um, Jimmy and Tim's relationship. I get where you're coming from uh I also think it'd be really bad on them to just fire the man right in the middle right now was probably not the best time <laughs> give him the season see so, yeah, how that works out and then I guess you can reevaluate then but even then I would think twice before you know firing him right away but if things don't work out I mean you got to move on at some point but they have made the playoffs what like last year I don't know if, I don't remember if they made it the year before. I think they barely No, uh, they did. No, last before. year was
1: yeah. the first year that they made it in 13 seasons. And you know what? There you go. I should be I should be like thanking Tom Thibodeau with all my heart because uh and Jamie Butler for that matter because uh the Hawks wouldn't get that draft pick if if they like if they hadn't won that. Um so we right. we would be we wouldn't have Kevin Herter. Uh if if they hadn't you know beat beaten Denver in the very last game of the season and the reason they beat Denver in the very last game of the season was Jimmy Butler. So um There you go. So yeah. So thanks thanks Tibbs.
5: And I no, recant everything I just
1: guy. said. You're you're great. <laughs> yeah,
4: well it is what it is. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah, indeed. Jawan, uh is there a team out there that you would just, like, really like to see him on? Obviously, um, I, I think it's fair to say you would not like to see him on the Raptors. Um, but uh, is there a team you'd really like to see him on, and do you have anything to add uh, to the tips thing before we move on? Um,
3: yeah, it's uh, – you definitely can't fire but... him, oh.
4: uh, um, But I would do some uh... –
3: can you hear me? Uh, now, now it's him. in. Um. Yeah, I was saying the time has passed to to fire him. Like you you can't do it right now. Media day is Monday. You cannot make those poor guys go into it with Jimmy Butler issues and now no coach. Um. So that that time is definitely passed. But by the Timberwolves, I would probably do uh Thibodeau pretty dirty. Like maybe a month month and a half into the season, then fire him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but as far as where I would like to see Jimmy, I to be completely honest with you, I'm fine if, if he goes to Toronto. I mean, him and Kawhi making a home there in Toronto, being able to do something that no one else has in Toronto and that's get it past the hump, um, I mean, that'd be interesting to watch. It'd be fun to watch. Um, but uh, if I had my choice, it would definitely be the Clippers because I just – I want the Clippers to not just be – garbage for like all of eternity. So I would like the idea of having two core guys like Jimmy and Kawhi Leonard going there. Uh, but of course, if I had my way, he'd be a Nick like tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this, this whole situation is just really unfortunate for both the Timberwolves organization that looked promising like a year ago uh, and all of the players involved. It's, just, it, it's unfortunate. It all seems like it's collapsing uh right right from the scene so but whatever. But yeah, I, I'd go with Clippers first, then Knicks and then possibly yeah Raptors after.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised nobody nobody threw out like um Milwaukee or Portland. Um obviously I, was I mentioned say the, the
2: Trailblazers would be fun. I love Damien They Cole would be a though. lot of
1: fun. I'm
2: not, I'm not giving C J McCollum up. I'm sorry, I'm not giving C J McCollum up no no, no, no 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 no. I don't think you would leader. have to
1: Yeah no Who I don't do you think, think you would have to. I mean I think I think you would put together a package pretty much based around uh, Zach Collins, uh, Anthony Simons, who you just drafted, um, a future first-round pick, and then, you know, either Mo Harkless or Evan Turner. Um, I'm sure you'd rather keep Mo Harkless because of his ability to play the three and the four, but you would probably – if I'm the Timberwolves, I would prefer to have him because he's cheaper than Evan Turner. Um but no, I don't. I don't think. You know, I definitely would not give up C.J. McCollum. Nor do I think they would have to to get him. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you could do that, like, it, it, it would suck having to give up Zach Collins. But I mean, I would fuck, I would do it, man. I mean, I I would, I would feel like I had to. I mean, if you have the chance of getting Jimmy Butler, even if it's just for a rental, like, that's something that can make Damian Lillard really fucking happy. And like those three guys you know, leading your team. And then you have, uh, al and, um, uh, what's it, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, like, that's a, that's a formidable team, man. Like, you know, that's, that's definitely something, um, you know, that could help get them, you know, help get them competing. Uh, I don't know if that's enough to get you past the Warriors. Um, but maybe, maybe it is. Um, I'd also really like to see him on the Rockets, man. Um, I mean, if, if the if the Timberwolves want to win now, um, you know, picking up a guy like Aaron Gordon, uh, P.J. Tucker, and, you know, a first-round pick next season ain't that bad, you know. I mean, that's going to keep you really competitive. Um, I mean, Eric Gordon can score the shit out of the basketball. P.J. Tucker is a great defensive player. can play basically three positions. Um and you know, if you get a first round pick the boot, like that's pretty good. And if you're Houston, like it would suck to give up Eric Gordon, but man, if you if you had Jimmy Butler, James Harden, and Chris Paul, like shit. Like that I mean at least at least you're starting then my biggest concern would be I don't know how well Jimmy Butler would get along with Carmelo Anthony. Um but Carmelo Anthony get along. also I well, and, he, I think, and here's the thing: he's also he's also on a very, very, very cheap one-year deal. So I mean, you if it, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out with him, you can cut him. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but I mean, my my thing with him is I, I I just feel like Jimmy would be like play defense just a little bit, like just sometimes, like motherfucker. <laughs> like, um, I could totally see that that happening. Uh, but you know what? he's probably going to get that from Chris Paul anyway. So he'd just be getting it from two different people, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But no, nah, I mean, there's, there's a ton of interesting possibilities. It's going to be really fun to see um, where it is that he finally ends up landing. Uh, but anyway, we, we've spent almost an hour talking about this one topic, so we gotta, we got to move on. Um, we do have a few other topics to discuss. Um, Dwayne Wade has announced that he will return for one more season with the Heat. Uh, just kind of released the information casually on his social media. Um, I think, what was it, a, a YouTube video or maybe on his Instagram or something. Um, something like that. Um,
5: social but media. Yeah,
1: so he, <laughs> yeah, some form of social media. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so he's going to return for one more season uh, with the Heat. I'm really happy to hear this. Um, he played... Uh, very well in the playoffs last season. And it'll be really nice to kind of see, you know, him play and be able to get integrated with this team throughout the whole season. Um, I certainly think he helps them win three to five more games throughout the season, which could absolutely make, make the difference between them making and missing the playoffs. Um, So, you know, for that reason alone, I'm, I'm really happy for them um that uh that you know he was able to they were essentially that the Heat were able to get him to come back for one season and that he chose to make that decision. Um it'll be fun to see see him play. The the biggest thing that I um that I really wish we could have seen is if LeBron had gone to Houston instead of Los Angeles, uh we could have seen the banana boat. Uh just just it would have been great to see that for one season. I, I, I just would have loved it. Um just just for them those guys to get to play together for one year. Um would have been something really special. Um but nevertheless the the that was not in the cards. I don't think it was ever really in the cards. So, um, you know, short of that, which wasn't gonna happen anyway, great to see him go back to Miami and, and finish out his career there. Um he'll be a first ballot hall of famer and will easily have his number retired very, very soon down there in Miami. Um, probably in my opinion, the best Miami heat ever. Um, obviously LeBron James, uh, greater player, greater legacy. Um, but Dwayne Wade has the most championships of any member of the Miami heat. Um, and he obviously, um, is probably like the lifeblood of that team, the most renowned player. If you think of Miami Heat, boom. I mean, D-Wade is probably the first person that comes to mind if you're, um, you know, a, a, a real NBA fan. Um, so, anyway, uh, props to D-Wade. Congratulations. Congrats to the Heat Heat fans. Um, and I really look forward to seeing him play uh, next season. Uh, Joel, your thoughts on D-Wade returning for one more season with the Heat?
4: I think I said the same thing. I said congratulations, good for him. I'm Happy to see that at least he give us. So at least we know ahead of time, knowing that you know this will be the last time we see D Wade. Um, mm-hmm. It's gonna be sad. I really, it's always sad when you know that it's their last season and you may never see them play again like this anymore. Um, so you know, just like it was when we saw like Kobe go out. It, um, it's just gonna be kind of bittersweet, but still fun and. At least there's a chance um Dwayne Wade can go out on a in a playoff run. You know? So that'd be cool. That'd be really cool to see him uh, um go out at least in the postseason instead of, you know, a regular season outing. So I I it is cool. I mean he, I think you're right, he is the greatest probably heat player of all time. There'd be no LeBron James to Miami without Dwayne Wade. Um there'd be no right. current championships of the modern day without Dwayne Wade. There's, so Yes, he is Miami. It's called Wade County for a reason. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I I I love the guy. Um, he's, he's a great player and one of the best shooting guards of all time. So, yeah, um, he had a good run.
1: Absolutely. Would you say number three shooting guard of all time behind MJ and Kobe?
4: I would say arguably number three. I have to I have to think about it, but maybe I wouldn't say definitively, but uh, you can make an argument for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I feel like I feel like he's not one, obviously. I don't feel like he's two either. No. Um no. but there's definitely an argument to be made for three, and if not three, he's definitely top five. Um so between right. three and yeah, five. Um and that's a legacy that anybody can be proud of. Um, Luke, your yeah. thoughts on D Wade coming back for one more season with the Heat.
2: No, man, I'm excited to see Flash of last year. I love him. I mean, you know, I've always had to watch him just tear us up, the Celtics up time after time. (laughs) But it's always fun to get to watch a player like that that can just do that. And he's just one that, you know, he kind of came into the league. He was older than that whole draft class and all that and kind of like looked, you know, like almost like a shadow compared to all of them. And really kept up. I mean, that's a hard draft class to really just keep up with and everything. So, you know, I'm excited yep. that he's, he's going to do with the Heat, too. Like I said, I mean, you, early in the summer, regardless of LeBron to go there, I still wanted him to go to Houston just to, so he could have one last good run, and I think he could have done well on Houston. But he's a Miami Heat. He, he, he's a Heat for life. He's one of those guys that he kind of made the decision and he kind of regret, regretted it. He just wishes he wore one jersey. I think that might come down to it. Even though he played for his hometown. In Chicago, I think it might just come down to one of his regrets, just because I just always just imagine Dwayne Wade in a Heat jersey just playing. I, I, they will compete now far in the playoffs, who knows? But I still think he could give you one of those fun games where scores thirty six points, has a couple of like key like defensive plays or that one like crazy pass, and just do yeah, something. We'll block. Yeah, that's yeah. Just always do. he's always a blocker. He's a great blocker. Actually, for a shooting Hell guard, yeah. but um, top three, no, I'm sorry, if, I mean, because you guys are earlier are the ones that said Allen Iverson is a shooting guard, and you best believe AI, true. I'm sorry, I love Dwayne Wade, but if you guys told me earlier...
5: I'll put Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson is, Alan is
1: my favorite player of all time, and I'm <laughs> still not putting him objectively ahead of Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade has three rings. AI's <laughs> <laughs> got zero. Right. Like,
4: the ring. AI didn't the ring. Have,
2: AI didn't have LeBron in his prime, and Shaq at his tail end one last year in his prime, too, though. So you got to look at that. Sure. I mean, Dwayne Wade played on a lot of oh, yeah. teams. Oh, yeah. No and didn't argument the there, player, but suddenly. still... But, but now, hey, yeah, I Roy mean, he gonna
1: have a great last season, though. He's gonna kill yeah. it. Yeah, he's, he's gonna do. Yeah, no, he's gonna do Dwayne Wade absolutely. Full. Yeah, absolutely. And and like like I said, I mean, all of that is is like rings. A lot of that comes down to circumstance. But like Dwayne Wade, um, not only won the two with LeBron, but when he won the one with the he was far none the best player on that team. And the the, mm-hmm. the postseason that he had that year was one of the most remarkable postseasons ever. And for him to do what he did against Dallas down o two, um in o six, 6 uh, is just fucking unbelievable. Like, I, Dwayne Wade, to me, I would have to put him above Allen Iverson as much as I love Allen Iverson. Um, I, and now, I will say this. Um, I, I, Allen Iverson does have an MVP, um, and Dwayne Wade does not have an MVP. Um I don't believe he does. I'm I'm almost positive he doesn't. Um, So there is that. Um, I mean, I feel like that would be your argument. Um, But I do think Dwayne Wade has a scoring title. Um, I know Allen Iverson's got like three of them, I think. Um, I know he has at least one. Um, So, I mean, you know, there's there's merit uh, to the Iverson argument. I just think Wade's accomplishment. I think as far as players, they're like neck and neck. And so when you're coming down to players being neck and neck as far as skill and everything else, um, I, I think at that point you have to look at accolades. And I would hold three rings and a finals MVP slightly above Allen Iverson's regular season MVP and a finals appearance. Um, I, I don't know, just just personally. But um, but I, I think I think you can make an argument for Iverson definitely. Uh, but anyway, uh, speaking of the Sixers, uh, Elton Brand has been named the general manager for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Um, you know, this comes after a pretty exhaustive search. I mean, they pretty much have looked at a, a slew of different candidates, um, including Daryl Morey uh, of the Houston Rockets um a, a few other guys um i uh, one other big name that, that's just not popping in my head right now um but so after all of this uh they end up going with uh the guy who has been the GM for their G League um a former player in Nelton Brand a guy who actually played for them i believe just like 3 or maybe 4 seasons ago um so what are your what are your thoughts on them ending ending up going with Elton Brand, Luke? And uh do you see this as being the right move as kind of an internal hire um or do you think maybe this was just we've exhausted all other possibilities? Um I guess we'll give it to Elton Brand type of thing. Yeah, I don't
2: know, I mean, it could be either one. It's like I want it to be, like, they kind of did exhaust it, but Alvin Brand might have been, you know, the person. I mean, a choice. He did run as VP of operations, so it's not like he didn't have an operations role and all that. I mean, like we all said, I mean, Philadelphia hasn't made I mean, besides not signing anyone to lose your shooters, I mean, they flee the Phoenix Suns, like, big time. I mean, if you can do that without a GM and Alvin Brand helped, you know, make that happen, I mean, there was yeah. no other GM out there. Like we said, they, they. I mean, what other GM is there? I mean, you have to wait another year to get a good uh, circle GM. Like I said, there's just not a lot of them like there were. So I just don't see them like, you know, they want Dale Murray. That's not going to happen. Sean Marks, who I said would be great. It's not going to happen. So you, you kind of just like stuck in the pickle. And I don't think the coach wants to be running – head operations, I think it could be his decision, too, just being like, listen, I'm the coach. I don't want to do this whole GM and all that. It doesn't work out, and maybe it's just not for me. So it might have been a good move on, you know, the coach's mind. Be like, let me get back to basketball, and let me get back. Like, I got you guys through the summer. Figure someone out. And Elton Brand, you know, he's been there with the team. The team might trust him and all that. He might, like, have good faith with all the team. I mean, they spent a lot of money. Now they have someone to go into next free agency with, with an actual, like, GM so they can start building things and want to trade or anything. So I think it makes sense. I mean, it's just one of those names where you just didn't really see it coming. It's not like one of those, like, really, like, nice appetizing names, like, oh, yeah, nice, and all that. It's just like, okay, old Brand, never been a GM before, full player, played for a while, so he knows that. But, like, what do we know of him as a GM? I mean, that's a whole different story. But, you know, I think it can definitely work out for them. Uh, and it's going to benefit them just having a GM and just separating where the coach can do and all that and just keep them as a coach and all that So I, I feel like it is almost a last-minute rush thing, but I think it, in the end it was the best decision for the organization because we keep on saying, I mean, they're about to all go into media day. That's an awkward kind of thing, too, like everyone going to media day and be like, so who's uh, the GM still? And you guys talked about it uh, to all the players, and now you're a player like – what are you t- asking me about the GM position? Like, I don't even know. I'm just excited to get back on the basketball court, but you know, they're just going to keep on asking if you don't have a GM. So I think it makes sense. Now you have someone to them to talk to. i brand new face and all that. They're a nice, still young team and all that. So, I mean, they've got a lot of build off of hopefully they check that he doesn't have any burner Instagram accounts, but other than that, <laughs> they should be fine.
1: yeah, uh, I'm sure that's probably the first thing they check. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I I definitely agree with you in the sense that uh, they they definitely needed to get a GM. Uh, Brett Brown did a great job, and I and, and I have to figure that it wasn't just Brett Brown like that was the face um, that they put with it. Um, but it was it was probably a organizational thing. They had different people in there helping Brett Brown and um, kind of a, a committee uh, type situation. And I feel like this is probably. One of the reasons maybe they went with Elton Brand. They they looked at this situation and said, you know what, we make decisions pretty well this off season. Like we made decisions pretty well this off season. Um, so maybe maybe we don't need a guy who's going to come in and you know we're going to simply just hand the reins over to you and say do whatever you want. Um, maybe a guy who's a little more measured. Um, who uh, you know will be interested in counsel and discussion um, would be more a fit for us uh, like don't get me wrong if you can if you can get a, a Daryl Morey, sure, um but there's only a few select guys out there, uh, like you said, Luke, that I think you would feel comfortable giving complete control over to um and and maybe any sort of bigger names would have wanted that amount of control. And maybe Elton Brand's like, nah, dude, I'm cool. Like, like, obviously I want to feel like I have the biggest say and that, you know, ultimately I have the final say, but I am more than happy to like listen to everybody's uh, counsel and, and, you know, we'll, we'll make these kind of big important decisions together. Um, but I do like the fact that he seems to be a very personable former player maybe that helps as far as recruiting a free agent next season, which is obviously something that Colangelo could not, you know, didn't seem to have, uh, obviously, hindsight being what it is. Um, And, you know, furthermore, Colangelo may have thought he was, um, you know, may have thought he was kind of making these really sophisticated decisions, but, I mean, as it turned out, they weren't that sophisticated uh, because, you know, you pretty much got fleeced in that Fultz deal. I don't care how good Marco Fultz ends up being, he can end up being better than Jason Tatum. You still had to give up a fucking future all star, um in J what ended up, you know, with one and three. Uh assuming no matter what the Lakers were gonna take Lonzo ball. Um like you you I mean you got you, you got fleece. You had to give up a, a future top five pick uh, to get it done more than likely. Um, now if the Kings pick ends up being, uh, number one, there needs to be an all out investigation. Uh, you know, launch that Adam Silver just doesn't want the Celtics to be as, as good as Danny Ainge has, has built them to be. Uh, but nevertheless, we'll, we'll save that for later on next, uh, next year, uh, a tail end of this season, uh, once the lottery happens. Um, but one more thing that I really uh, – oh, uh, two things, actually. One, there was a lot of reports that came out after Colangelo was fired that he had um, sort of a lot of problems uh, with some of those other guys involved, some of the um, lower-level uh, people involved in the front office, and that they even like pleaded with him not to make that trade to move up to number one, to take Markel Fultz. And even after he made the trade, there were still people saying, I don't think we should take Markel Fultz. I think we should take Jason Tatum. Um, Obviously, he did not listen. um, But nevertheless, um, I think that probably had a play with going with Elton Brand. Um, So, I mean, I think all of that inevitably – Kind of works in favor for them. I think he'll be a good guy to go out and and try to, you know, recruit a big name next off season. And I think he'll be a team player. Um, so I think I think overall it's it's probably a relatively good move for them. And you know maybe it'll all work out very nicely that a guy like Daryl Morey didn't want to um, take the job, and you know this situation will just kind of work itself out. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm kind of with you on on it, Luke. I I think ultimately it, it could could end up being a, a good situation, and by no means is it a bad situation now. So that you know, that's about the best you could ask for at this point in time. Uh, Joel, what are your thoughts?
4: Um, I'm happy for Elton. Uh, I think it's an okay move. I think it's a trust move more than anything. I think it's yeah. a trust move by Philly, I think it's a trust move by uh by Brett. I think it's a trust move uh because they trust Elton. Um I think everything involved, revolves around it's safe. They know they can uh rely on him to do what he has to do. He's done well with them in the G League. So it's all about and they probably didn't have enough they didn't really like we were talking about you guys were just talking about, like it's just there was not a lot a lot out there. A lot of probably all the ones you want are probably wait for the off season. They needed something for now. I'm not sure Elton is the long-term guy, but he possibly could work into that. You never know. Um, it's usually usually a guy like Elton Brand, a, a player that was literally playing not that long ago. Um, it they usually don't get into a, This such a this such a high position so quickly. So he's doing something right in Philly. So they must really like him over there for, the, for them to put him as GM. So I'm really happy for him. I never want to doubt a guy just because you know it just seems so out of nowhere. You never know what what is like. What credentials he has, and he could possibly do the job. I'm not going to say anything about that, but you know they they like him, so I trust him. Hopefully, it works out.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're kind of all on the same page there. Uh, so yeah, congrats to Elton Brand. Uh, best of luck to him in Philly, and um, yeah, hopefully he he does uh, does a good job, uh, and you know. Uh, you know, gives them what they need uh, in order to be a contender for many years down down the road. Um, I think we all want uh, the Celtics to have somebody, um, you know, who they can go back and forth with. I, I think even Luke, as much as he loves the Celtics and always wants to see them win, uh, you know, would find it a lot more interesting to say, at the very least, uh, if they had, you know, uh a, a a, comp, a competitive rival like Philadelphia to go back and forth with. Is that a fair assessment, Luke? You wouldn't necessarily root for the Sixers to have a good team, but it, it at least makes it more intriguing and more interesting if you have uh, some some competition there. No, yeah, I mean,
2: I would definitely want the competition. I mean, I wouldn't mind because we kick, we kick their ass every year, and I would hold that <laughs> against all my Philly friends that always want to talk smack. Like they always do. So, I mean, I'm perfectly fine if they want to have a rivalry because we're going to beat them regardless every year. I mean, we did it hands down this year without two of our top players. So, sign who they want. That's fine with me. I, I mean, I want rivalries. I want parity in basketball. I'm just not
1: scared of the Sixers. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, well, we'll see. Um, I think it's really going to be interesting to see if the Sixers are able to um, continue building on what they had last year, what happens with Markel Fultz, and what they're able to do with their max salary slot this offseason. Um, because, I mean, all of those things are going to have to come together for them to really be um, a, a competitive rival for Boston. Because, they are I mean, we saw last year in the playoffs, they're just not there yet. Um, and that was, you know, Boston minus Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. So, um, Still, still have a lot of room for growth uh, there in Philly, but hopefully Elton Brand can uh, kind of steer them in the right direction. Uh, but moving on. Nick, I have something real been, quick, uh, Oh,
5: oh
1: I absolutely. Have something real quick about their next season,
2: like offseason. Not saying you're going to have yeah. to sign for a max, but all out, would you say if this is a fail, if they were to end up just getting like a Tobias Harris and still retaining J.J. Redick, like you, you wouldn't have to get the max to Tobias, but that's what you end up. Would you call that a failure?
1: I mean, it, um, not a
5: failure, a but a disappointment. A pop, but
2: yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call it a failure. I mean, but I would be disappointed. Um, I, I tell you what. If they were able to get Chris Middleton, um, and and retain JJ Redick, then I would call that a success. Um, because to me, Middleton's like m- Tobias Harris doesn't really fit what you need. Um, I, I look at Middleton and his his versatility both defensively and offensively um, as being exactly what that team means. Um, in fact, I would argue, I mean, it depends on how much you have to pay him, um, but I would argue that as of right now, Chris Middleton is probably, I would say, third on the Sixers list as far as a potential free agent behind only Jimmy Butler and Clay Thompson. Um or I'm sorry, fourth behind Kawhi Leonard. Um so I mean you got those those four guys who, you know, are obvious fit. But I, I mean Middleton is that same kind of player. He's not quite as good as those other guys. But honestly, if you could get Chris Middleton for say, I don't know, like twenty five million dollars a season, um, instead of paying uh instead of paying you know, let's say any one of those other guys, a max salary of, say, what, I think it would be like $32.7 million. Um, so let's say you could save $7.7 million or, or whatever it is, um, and you could then use that money to keep J.J. Redick. Uh, I think they have, I want to say $41 million in cap space as of right now, next season, somewhere in that ballpark. So you could then use that money to keep J.J. Reddick. Like sure, that would be a huge success because you would keep that that sort of depth and that sharp shooting, but you would get somebody who's more equipped to be a starter for you, um, and then you could even look at maybe saying, well, Sarge isn't hot tonight, we're gonna bench him, uh, and we're you know we're gonna. Run with you know this particular lineup, um, or you know Reddick isn't hot tonight, so let's bench him and let's you know let's keep Sarge in. Covington's not working tonight, so it would give you a lot of versatility. Um, but yeah, Chris Middleton would be the guy that I would be looking at, not Tobias Harris. Um, I guess maybe that kind of answers your question.
2: <laughs> no, it does. I just um, Tobias Harris just came up in mind because I know he's a free agent next year. I forgot right. Middleton was so just like. You're not getting the big names, but you're also getting some that that can be pretty serviceable and make you like you retain your whole roster like you're saying, so
1: you have more debt and all that yeah well and and here's another thing too um here's another reason why I really like middleton uh chris middleton is twenty seven um, born August twelfth nineteen ninety one so he just turned twenty seven um so like entering right in that like span of his prime. So if you sign him to a four year deal, you got him for 28, 29, 30 and 31. That is like right in the middle of an NBA player's prime. Um, whereas Jimmy Butler, I think is 30. Um, I'm not exactly sure when his birthday is, but if you're signing him, you're looking more at 31, 32, 33, 34. You're sort of starting to tail off into not prime. Plus he's sort of injury prone. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, depending on the difference in price and everything else, like, I might even be more inclined um, to get a Chris Middleton than a Jimmy Butler, um, especially because I feel like Chris Middleton, kind of like the same thing with Clay Thompson. Like, Clay Thompson, like, I think if there's anybody Philly would want, it would be Clay Thompson. I think if there's anybody any team would want, it would be Clay Thompson because, I mean, you're just, to me, he is the, the quintessential free agent because he makes his team better. Uh, he, he, it doesn't really matter who you put around him. He's not only going to get his, but he's also going to make your team better. He's not going to complain um, about not getting enough touches or anything else. He's never done that. Um, he got less touches when KD got there, but, but has been more efficient since KD got there. Um, so, I mean, that, that helps. Is a top-notch defender. Uh, It can guard the best player from any team. Um, So, like, to me, that would be the number one. But I mean, I think I see a lot of that in Chris Middleton, just not
5: quite
1: on the level of Clay Thompson. But um, no, I mean, I'm really high on him. That would be like one of my like really kind of sleeper picks for Philly. That I think would be just a, a, a great get for them. I mean, if they could get him and add that to their depth and, you know, keep all of their assets going forward, that would be a huge, huge um, pickup for them. And like I said, maybe maybe even better than a really big name, um, short of maybe like a, a Clay Thompson or a Kawhi Leonard um, just because – um, or Jimmy Butler, just because those those guys are just on, on a slightly different level. But honestly, like I said, maybe not even Jimmy Butler because of the age situation. Whereas Clay and, and Kawhi are a little bit younger. So I don't know. Um, I, I like I said, I definitely think they don't have to get one of the cream of the crop free agents to be successful, but they do have to get a player that's going to help them both positionally um, and um, you know. At least have all star all star level talent. Not not that they have to be an all star, but all star level talent. Um, I, I, otherwise, I would think it would be a disappointment. Um, so I I, well, I think Tobias Harris last season made the step forward to having that all star level talent, not superstar, but all star level talent. Um, like I don't think he really fits and helps them positionally um, unless you're going to have Martel Fultz play shooting guard. Which we've yet to see that. Like it's it's possible, but I I would rather not have that. I'd rather have Ben play like a point forward and then Foltz play point guard and then, you know, you got Covington and Sarge to switch in and out and then you got Embiid at center and then you find a guy who can play the shooting guard in small forward position. So just my opinion. Uh but anyway, um let's move on the NBA has informed teams of uh, the updated salary cap and luxury tax projections for the next two seasons. So in 2019-2020, it's projected right now at $109 million uh, for the uh, salary cap, uh, $132 million for the luxury tax. Then it spikes up again, $118 million uh, for the salary cap, 143 million for the luxury tax the following season. So, we're kind of finally seeing this 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 kind of big rise that that I guess teams were all predicting back in two thousand and sixteen that didn't really hit right away. I mean, it jumped way up in two thousand and sixteen and then kind of leveled off for a couple of years um I think it only has only increased by i want to say what three million dollars maybe four million dollars in the last two seasons um since the 2016 increase. So with that being said, you know, it, it's looking like it's going to make a big leap next year. Uh, we're going to be able to, to tack on, uh, I believe, an additional $8 million and then an additional, um, what, $9 million
0: thereafter.
1: Um, how do you think this is going to affect teams, uh, free agency, how they look at players, and – there's kind of been a trend as of late where we're, we're seeing a lot more one-year deals to keep financial flexibility open for going after other players. Um, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that. I'm not sure that may, maybe these two things are necessarily, you know, directly connected. But I do think I am interested. Uh, I, I do think there could be some connection with the cap rising. Obviously, there's some teams that already have money on the books, but maybe you know if they can't move that money that's currently on the books or they don't have an interest in moving whatever money is currently on the books, maybe for the next two seasons, you know you see more of these one year deals pop up because they're looking at, hey, well, next season we can make a play after you know so and so if we don't get anybody this season similar to what the Lakers did uh, this year after they got LeBron James. They're like, cool, we got LeBron James for four years at him, max money, what have you. But, you know, we weren't able to get, you know, um, Paul George, and we weren't able to get – I mean, well, the Marcus Cousins was hurt. But um, we weren't able to get another guy who we wanted to pay max money, so we're going to do a bunch of one-year deals. Um, do you think this, like, rise in salary cap, maybe we'll see a rise in that? Do you see any kind of connection there? Um And just in general, how do you think teams will approach um, this money? Do you think we'll see another spending frenzy, uh, you know, potentially come because of this projected rise um, in the the next couple of seasons? Um, So any of that and anything that pops in uh, that, you know, speaks to you on just the numbers in general, start with you, Joel.
4: I, uh, only thing I have to take away from this is I just hope it doesn't become what happened in twenty sixteen. Like I mean it was good for those players, but as you can see, <laughs> it handcuffed a lot of teams and a lot of guys well, that you're like looking and it at and you're screwed
1: like brewed a lot of other players.
4: It did. It really did, especially the following year or the year after right. that. And uh, and yeah. it's like, wow, uh, like I got this. I want to get paid what this dude got. And um, and it's like, well, no, <laughs> you can't get what he got. That was just a different time. And um, I mean, it sucks for the other players that came afterwards. I mean, you get paid when you can get paid. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on like Gang and Mozgov and Noah for getting their contracts when they did, uh, as much as I don't like, uh, you know. Paying for them, but yeah. at the same time, like you don't want team, you want teams to learn from their mistakes. I have no doubt someone's gonna get overpaid or two, <laughs> but you just hope yeah. at at some point they don't make the same mistakes. And we can not hey, don't handcuff yourself. You know better now. You have the money, use it wisely, or just throw money at people. They're gonna hold. Trust me, they're probably not good enough to hold on for too long. So I, I just I just hope they just every the league has learned from the past.
1: Yes, um yeah, and I think that's key. I think maybe the the one year deals is more of a reaction to two thousand and sixteen than it has to do with the current salary cap and where it's going because um, only teams that really like benefited from two thousand sixteen were the guys who signed you know who signed players deserving players to max contracts, you know your your Boston Celtics who went out and got Al Horford um or you know, a couple other handfuls of teams that signed guys that were max worthy players, um, or at least fringe max worthy players. Um but you know those 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 teams that went out and like you said signed your Joe Kim Noah's um Luol Deng, Timothy Mazgoff, Chandler Parsons, mm. uh yeah. you know, really any of those Biz guys Dismacchialbo, even, yeah. even your even your Kent Bazemore. Um who, you know, is, is a very serviceable player. Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, um, also very serviceable players, but, like, you know, still just so overpaid. And then even the trickle-down to, like, guys like Solomon Hill, who got, you know, $12, $13, 14000000 million dollars a year uh, over the course of his four-year deal. Um, and it's like, how, getting out of him for $12, $13 million dollars a year, not much. Um, even before he got hurt, like, you, you still weren't getting much out of him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that teams kind of learn their lesson there. I, I, I think it'll be interesting. I, I think it'll make a very interesting 30-for-30 30 30 one day um, about the 2016 NBA offseason and all <laughs> of the implications that it had. Um, but also, I think if you stack up the worst contracts in NBA history, I would be willing to bet that, like, five out of the ten of them will all come out of the 2016 offseason, um, if, if not more, honestly. Um, but, uh, but Luke, what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the cap figures that I rattled off, and um, what do you think it means as far as implications of um, w- what teams do in the NBA going forward, if anything?
2: No, I mean, I hope to say every team should have learned their lesson. I mean, no team should be spending stupid money like they did in 2015. Every team should learn from their mistakes. If your team does spend dumbly this upcoming season, God, man, I feel bad for the fans. Terrible, terribly run organization. I just don't think it's going to happen like that. That was just like the wild, wild west that year. Just like there's so much money, they didn't know what to do. And guys that, like, like you said, that kind of deserved it, they got it. But it was just like the other guys that were just like, they had like a short run, like dude, like seriously like Biambo only had a playoff run. And it was only yeah. because Balacines went out and it was just like you needed yeah. it and he got the dumbest contract. Like Evan Turner could have been like he was actually a decent sixth man of the year for like the like and all these other but like there's people that were just like had like a little run and just like, Whoa, what like you're getting this money? Like and all that so I I, I hope every team is but what I do see is I could see this summer maybe a lot of more one-on-one deals from the big superstar and then the following year where it's really high up, then there's going to be the money being spent. But that's on the people that no second fringe person is going to be getting paid like top tier two. But then I also do see like you're going to see the players like Kimba Walker is going to get signed to a very nice deal. He's not going to get these one-on-one deals. And some people might be like, I wouldn't spend that on Kimba. And some people are like, you know, I would because, you know, it's pretty serviceable. So, you can see some of those contracts, but it's could be the guys that actually deserved it and proved themselves, not had like, a 15-game run where you, ha- you averaged a double-double. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Or you can shoot threes and maybe we'll make you a defensive guy. Like, no. So I, I, I like, hope to, to God, like, all teams will learn. Like, we're not going to do dumb, dumb mistakes like this, but I you've seen in two years a lot of money going to be spent, but that's going to be on players that are deserving, like the top superstars that are all up on their contracts and everyone just going into, like, that would be insane if, like, half of these guys next year just still signed a one and one and they all just went into that following off season with, like, a, dude, that, there's, like, 20, like, top-name people that would be going into their contract year. year. The NBA yeah. would be just crazy. The money that would just be insane if everyone did that and just held out and really wanted to see what kind of teams they could form and all that and see like what, what
1: can happen with the NBA. Yeah. I mean, especially because all, if you, if they were to do that, if we do see a lot of one and ones next off season, the following off season is the year that all those 2016 contracts finally come off the books. So, there's going to be a lot of teams with a lot of money to play with, and you're right. I mean, I mean, it would pretty much be dealer's choice to be like, well, where do you want to go? Like, we want to all team up, but where do we want to go play? Um, I mean, you could definitely see a lot of that. I will say this, though, and I'm sorry to have to do this to you, Joel, uh, but... You know, we did still see some some trickle over. We didn't see it this year, thankfully. Finally, saw the Knicks kind of pivot away from it, but we did see some 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 a little bit of trickle over with the Knicks and paying Tim Hardaway all that money. Um, it, to me, that kind of shouted kind of like a Kent Bazemore part two on that deal. I mean, to me, I look at them as kind of one and the same as far as um, ability. I. I personally like Tim Hardaway a little bit more. Um, I, I, I just think his potential is a little better. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, uh, that pretty much just has to do with his age. As far as their current skill level, they're pretty much the same, and they're earning the same paycheck. Um, and now you've got an additional year tacked on to Hardaway. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I still think those deals will happen, but I think they'll get fewer and far between – I can't think of another one that happened last off season off the top of my head that was like a really big deal like that um
5: mm-hmm.
1: for for essentially a role player um but yeah well I mean we'll see i i, I really really do hope that we see um more conservative spending uh it, like you said Luke if for no other reason than to have the crazy off seasons because you know that 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 shits arguably more interesting than the actual NBA season uh, as of right now, anyway, with the Warriors just being so stacked. Um, but hopefully Boston will give them a run for their money this year, and uh, you know we'll have a, a lot more to talk about with the NBA Finals uh, this upcoming season. Um, but anyway, let's move on. we got one more topic. Um, so the uh, investigation on the Dallas Mavericks has finally concluded i um, not going to go into great detail. I mean, we, we pretty much um, covered this uh, very, very um, intensely when the, the story broke and um, went into um, a fair amount of detail on, on kind of what happened. Um, I did want to talk about um, one particular situation that um, had had kind of come to light that wasn't released in the initial report, and that was – that Earl Sneed, the beat writer, um, had evidently beat up his wife outside of Dallas Mavericks headquarters, um, and was not fired. Um, no, no, no. He kept only on. Arrested. He just he got he just got arrested outside.
2: He beat her. Yeah.
1: Like at his house, so he got
2: arrested
1: outside. Okay. Okay. Thank you for your clarification. So he got arrested outside of headquarters. Um, so obviously. A lot of people knew about it. There, there was a lot of, obviously, there was a lot of insulation going on um, uh, with, with their, their current uh, um, CEO at the time, uh, Useri. Um, obviously, um, yeah, I mean, he was uh, kind of a part of this, this culture himself and felt, felt it necessary to, to protect these people um, and so uh, if we're to believe the report uh, that that information did not make its way back to Mark Cuban, which I think is very uh, plausible, I mean, he essentially did not, he's um, it, it, a very hands-off owner, um, you know, it, it's certainly possible that, and and as all indications in the report point to, he, he was not aware of that situation. Um, but you know, further situations happened with him and, you know, essentially Mark Cuban said the reason that uh, on the jump, he said the reason that they kept him was uh, the reason that he decided not to fire him was because he wanted to help him get help and was afraid that if he fired him, um, you know, what that, what he might go do, um, you know, away from the organization and to me, that that honestly, that doesn't jive with me. That doesn't make sense. Um, like, you can fire somebody and still, like, you know, get them help. Or you can indefinitely suspend somebody and get them help. You don't need them uh, in your facility uh, around people when you know that they are that kind of person they are that that have that kind of predatory nature, um, so that that I, obviously Cuban seems remorseful, uh, but that explanation doesn't stack up to me. it doesn't make sense. I think there's kind of something more at play there, something that we're not getting, which you know I don't think we'll ever get um, but nevertheless, uh the consequences of all of these actions, obviously. Cuban uh, has hired an African-American female to be the CEO of the company moving forward, Cynthia Maxwell, I believe is her last name. Um, And uh, she has taken this organization in a new direction. The organization is now 47% uh, women. Uh, It is a third of minorities. Um, So very, like, I mean, very much a reflection of our actual society, Uh, about half women, about a third minorities. Um, like that's, that's refreshing. That's something that's positive that has come out of this situation. Uh, Mark Cuban is also, my guess would be kind of like in lieu of a fine, uh, the max fine that could be thrown at $2.5 million in lieu of a fine. He has donated $10 million to various, um, women's rights, uh, charities. Um, which also is a a very good thing to have come out of this situation. Um, I still don't think it's enough. I still think they should be penalized, and I I stand by this. I think they should be penalized at least one first-round pick. Um, It would be a tricky situation now because the Hawks own their pick next season, but it's protected one through five. I still feel like you could work out the kinks in that essentially – you could either say Mavericks, you either um, completely forfeit your pick to the Hawks next season and um, you have to forfeit your 2020 pick. uh, Like nobody gets it. Um, Or if your pick does end up in the top five next season, you forfeit that. And then your current protections stay as they are with the Hawks going forward. Um, Like there are, there are ways that you could do it. Um, I think that's, the kind of thing that you would need to send a message um, that this kind of action will not be tolerated because $10 million to an NBA owner. Yeah, it's $10 million, but it's, it's, that's not sending enough of a message. I, I don't necessarily think that Mark Cuban should be forcibly removed. I I, I don't look at this, exactly like a Donald Sterling situation simply because it, it, out, out of all the investigation, it, it has proven some wrongdoing on Mark Cuban's part, but no direct wrongdoing as we had very clear evidence of with Donald Sterling. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily think he should be fired um, or forcibly removed or, or made to sell his franchise um, but I do think there should be some, somewhat more of a penalty levied as a deterrent in the future um, because, I mean, honestly, when I look at this situation, I don't see that much of a deterrent. And I hate to say this, but I can't help but wonder if the league would have more of a forcible reaction if this, if this sort of, Um, rampant misconduct was directed at African Americans as opposed to women I think you would see more of an outrage throughout the league and thus it would make Adam Silver have to take a more hardline stance where you're not seeing it in this particular case because it's not it's not as reflected whereas the Donald Sterling thing like it was like boom, the whole fucking league stood up against it. Um, And I don't think you can make the argument that what happened within the culture of of the Dallas Mavericks was any... I don't think you can make the argument that what Donald Sterling did was any worse than what happened within the culture of the Dallas Mavericks organization. In fact, I think you would... I would honestly make the argument that it's the other, that what happened with The Dallas Mavericks is honestly worse than what happened with Donald Sterling uh, simply because of how many people it affected uh, over the course of time. Like I said, the big difference is Mark Cuban was not the person doing these things, whereas Donald Sterling was the person saying the shit that he was spouting. So I don't know. I, I, I would like to think that... Hopefully this is – I think there have been very good steps in the right direction. I just don't know if it's enough of a deterrent in the future to really make an imprint to these owners that you need to keep your house in check. Um, otherwise, there's going to be hell to pay. Um, and I think if you're going to really make that deterrent, you got to do it in a way that's going to hurt the organization at least – in the short term, i.e., uh, the way they were able to essentially, um, you know, hurt the Minnesota Timberwolves for doing under-the-table deals. Uh, but anyway, that's just my thoughts on the matter. Um, uh, I'll pass it to you first, Joel. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the conclusion of the report, and what are your thoughts on the uh, the penalties? Um, or lack thereof, levied against the Mavericks organization.
4: I don't know how to feel. I I I know very little what happened. I did hear the story, uh, but I still don't know all the details. And um, and it's like, I like from what I know, it's very much like, I don't know how you let it go on for as long as it let, went on.
5: Like I know he's, right.
4: he's 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 the head man. You know, Mark Cuban is the, the big dog. But I mean, I mean it was going on for a while, and it's like you didn't notice there was some weird shit going on there. Like it was just how one-sided everything kind of seemed. I don't know. It just was weird. Like I'm not trying to. I like Mark. I don't. I don't want. I don't want him to lose the, the team or anything. I truly believe he's kind of taken aback by what happened, and maybe is what happened was he had people in charge he, that he trusted too well. And it, and it, you know backfired because obviously and that seems shit to be did not the go case. Down well. Yeah, yeah, and it's exactly what it seems like. Um, and you know it, it burned him in the end. And so in in that regard, it kind of feel bad for him. But and I don't think he's that kind of guy at all. That's why when I, when it first came out, I didn't. I was hesitant at first. Then I got the details, and I was still, I I still it was weird about it. But you know, I think there should probably be more a a, a harder stance towards it, and it's not getting enough attention, uh, because you're right, I think it's just because it's just not as important maybe to that league as, as it should be, uh, but I don't know for sure, like, it's a, it's just a weird situation overall, uh, it's not something that should happen, uh, they've definitely made changes since then, but they're probably uh, uh, too, not too late, because it's never too late to make a change, but like, it's bad. like it's too like you know you can't just try to make shit and change it's going to take a while for for like that like people to trust you again you know what i mean it's not right. so much that you have to make the changes they they're already making strides towards being different but you know it should have happened sooner so you know they just got to keep up with it and i think the, you know this situation was bad but hopefully going forward you know it's a lesson to not just the Mavericks every team in the league and other teams in other leagues that this shit can't go down the way that it's been going down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I hope that message is delivered. Um, again, I'm just not sure that the penalty is, is necessarily enough to deliver that message as emphatically as it needs to be delivered. Um, but well, I mean, time will tell, we'll see. Um, you know, as far as, you know, if, if any of this comes up, you know, with any other organizations uh, within the league, and um, you know what what those situations might entail, um, but hopefully uh, it doesn't. Hopefully it doesn't come up um, because um, it's it's a, it's a terrible thing to to consider um, that you know women had to go to work at that organization and and yeah. kind of in fear every single day. Like it's 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 pretty fucked up. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Luke, what are your thoughts on um, on this whole situation, uh, and you know, um, essentially the report, um, you know, the, the donation that Cuban has made as as sort of his um, repentance, if you will, um, and uh, and you know, a, a lack of any sort of um, detrimental long-term penalty to the organization, um, but also, uh, you know, I, I don't want to skip uh, over, you know, the the sort of brighter note um, of the positive organizational changes um, that we have seen uh, since this story has been released. So, um, your thoughts on any of those things?
2: I mean, overall, I'm just the whole situation is still very disgusting, and I mean. And just what what was going on there, just you cannot, like, for how long and what these women had to go through, regardless, like you were saying, if it if it was uh, just a different thing, like if it was a racial thing compared to this, it's still, like, it shouldn't be one or the other. I mean, no no person should have to go through a workplace like this and the time of day like that. And it's just the overall situation is just really bad. I mean, I'm glad that Mark Cuban didn't, like, hide his face and all that. And the Rachel Nichols uh, – Interview with him yesterday was amazing. I mean, she definitely hit the hard question. She was not holding anything back. I mean, I suggest everyone to go watch it. If you have not watched it, it she'll definitely shed all lights on to it. The whole situation just really bad, like what was going on there. I mean, I wish a little bit more would have came down on them, not necessarily making him run out of the league like a Donald Sterling until his team necessarily, but a little bit more right. like you saying, like losing draft picks. I mean, football all the time. I mean, easier things. I mean, over deflated balls. I mean, come on, like that—that's <laughs> what's happening. I mean, they—they they basically they didn't want to like Ray Rice. This one, I hate to say that, and I was, but like, you should have, you should have went more on to this organization. I'm sorry, like we're not going to run you out of the league marketing because, you know, you, you, you have that face out of all the owners that people actually really know. I mean, you're on Shark Tank and all that, so. I mean, but your organization was run to a muck, man. How did you not know this and all that? I mean, there were just so many bad steps that they did in in general. Like you could, you should just fire people, like you're saying. I mean, no guys can get arrested outside, like outside of your job, like you, like regardless of any situation, and still not be fired for it. Like that's what I don't understand and all that. And then like the like plans of action that they kind of took and. Mark Cuban kind of, like, had his eye out on it. Like, there are some emails, but he kind of didn't. And just like, I don't know, just some of the situation still does not take, like, it just, I don't know, it doesn't stand well on me. I just, overall, but they have made some better, like, strides. I mean, their hire and their new CEO, I mean, did that instantly. She's a very successful woman. I mean, she's CEO of AT&T. I mean, she definitely knows what she's doing and all that. So, they're definitely doing the right thing to just I think the NBA didn't do such a drastic, like, anything penalty-wise because it wasn't their organization that did, like, found this and all that and was coming up with this reporting. This was an outside entity that did this investigation, and Sports Illustrated broke it and all that. So, it wasn't the NBA, like, the whole time of the best game. So, I feel like that's the only leeway that I can give right now on the NBA on what happened overall in the situation. But... They should have lost the draft picks. I don't care. You you have no protections to your pick next year. You you can have your second because we're not going to death penalty like that. Because I mean, just that's the way basketball is. It's only one and two. You know, it's not like football where you have multiple things. But you're definitely right. going to lose your next. You're going to lose your next two years draft picks. You, that that one to the Hawks. Say goodbye to that. And you're you're lucky that we're not taking three away. But, then again, I mean, like I'm saying, it's not their organization that found this and all that. It wasn't NBA. So, they're just taking it like that they're, they're also being – they can't be, you know, react overly like to. but they should have. I mean, the whole situation is really bad. I mean, but, then again, I mean, Cuban did not it's, – it's not hot in his face. He's been very cooperative for what it sounded like in that interview. He definitely didn't try to skip around any of the questions yesterday that he was asked is definitely straightforward for it. I mean, like you said, it's it's bad hindsight now and all that, but hopefully this is a like you know to to every every organization out there. That's not how you should run things. That's not how any workplace anyone should have to go into an environment like that and be fearful or just like not just knowing that you're not like your organization doesn't have your back if you come into them with the right information. So that that just right there just. But doesn't stand so, so but in in the end he he did the right thing. he he, he went over the amount that he could be fined for and, and gave him ten million dollars. Um I hope he does more um and everything. And it's gonna take a lot for that organization to turn around their image and what people think about it right now. But I mean it's small steps and what they've done right now from what it appears like they're definitely going in the right direction with the right hires and all that and hopefully Mark has more eyes on it this time and and actually knows what his brand is because he always says that he's that owner that like knows everything that's going on
1: but I think you just know only what the basketball's going on, the games and that's about it. Yeah, and he needs to be more involved. It did it did kinda of worry me a little bit that um, by the way, her name's Cynthia Marshall, not Maxwell. Um, that when she was brought onto the jump, um, you know, he, she basically said she wanted to outline her, her hundred day plan. And, and Mark kind of just said, well, no, like I, I trust you. And it's like, dude, even Rachel was like, didn't that, isn't that what she got you in trouble in the first fucking place, bro? Like, um, like, I mean, and here's the thing, like, I, 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 I Feel like it was it was a great hire and yes they connect and all of that and you know they spent more time together than he ever spent with the other person in fifteen years and yada 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 like great but you need to know what's going on within your organization bro like that is literally what got you in trouble to begin with like not saying like not saying you're gonna have a a a problem with her but you should just you should just kind of know generally what's going on like um, make a little bit of time each week to sit down and get an update from her. Like, you know, um, like talk to people, go there from time to time, little things like that. Like, I don't know. I still have a, a little bit of a problem with, um, some of his answers. Like you said, he wasn't necessarily dodging questions. Uh, And, and that's the thing. If you don't dodge questions, sometimes your answers, um, may not be liked by everybody. And, and, I I certainly kind of found myself in that boat um, with as far as some of his things. Uh, I will say this. I think um, I get your point about it being an outside investigation. However, I think forfeiting a draft pick, one draft pick, uh, because they, I mean, they already traded the other one, Um, but forfeiting essentially one draft pick, you are getting off light in my opinion. Um, I, 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 I think I, like, I still think that's getting off light. I just think that would at least be somewhat of a deterrent for future teams, and it, it would set a precedent so that if a if a team has this happen in the future, you could say, all right, we're going to penalize you two or three draft picks. Like, did you not see us penalize that team, the one draft pick, and, you know, that that was like the first circumstance, and like, it gives you a precedent to be able to really come down hard the next time. Um, if Hopefully there's not, and hopefully that would prevent there being a next time. Um, and hopefully there's not one anyway. But I, I, I just think that that would have been the right step. Um, but one more thing, uh, I, I, I do kind of want to speak to this because um, I think you, you kind of mentioned it, Luke, and um, Joelle, you even a little bit too. Um, there hasn't been a lot of coverage on this. I mean, the story broke. Um, it was talked about a little bit and then kind of buried, and you know, now it's come back up again but um, really hasn't been talked about outside of basketball circles. It hasn't been talked about a whole lot as far as like in the wider world of sports. It hasn't been talked about really at all uh, that I've seen in any sort of like political platform. Not that it necessarily should be but um, you, know, you know, I mean you would think it would get a little more talk than it has, um, but it just hasn't. And and I don't know. I don't know why that is. I, I I mean, especially with the Me Too movement and other things like that, you would think that it would get more um, more press. And maybe it has in Dallas um, locally, but it certainly hasn't nationally. Um, so I mean, I I don't know. I don't I don't can't quite put my finger on the pulse of why that is. Um, maybe it's just the sports world doesn't talk about these things as much, but I mean, we sure as hell talked a lot about fucking Colin Kaepernick. Um, so I I don't know. I, I I don't get it. I don't know why this, this hasn't been more, um, more talked about. I, I just don't understand. You know, we we talk a lot about Colin Kaepernick and that's how sports collide with politics. We talked a hell of a lot about Harvey Weinstein, um, and you know, that's worse but it, it, at least similar to you know, the situations that were ongoing within this organization. Um, so it's, it's, it's strange that with all of the various crossovers between sports and politics, the Me Too movement and the sort of rampant sexual misconduct that um, you know, is now really coming to light throughout many different organizations Um, in many different industries, it's strange that this one kind of has fallen through the cracks a little bit and hasn't been talked about as much. Um, I wonder if that maybe has something to do with the lack of uh, penalty. Um, Maybe had it been talked about a little bit more, um, there would have been, you know, higher penalties levied um, for fear of public backlash. Um, but, But it wasn't. Uh, but anyway uh, we at least tried to do our part um, and make suggestions that's another thing I never heard one pundit one NBA pundit on any of the NBA shows throw out them being penalized to draft pick, even though we covered that like the week that this happened um, said hey th- there's your answer right there uh, but anyway uh, we, we got to wrap it up we got about a minute left um, thank you Luke for joining us uh, great show man glad you could join us and thanks again for having me, having me guys. Peace out. All right, peace, brother. Uh Joel, thanks, man, for joining us. Uh, by the way, uh, number one topic this week for Geek Vibes Live, what's it going to be?
4: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I got to think about that. I mean, just, I, I get my weeks confused and shit. But there's a lot to talk Captain, about. Captain Captain Marvel about trailer, about right? Oh, yeah. As of right now, anyway. I, yeah. I got that blended last week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not a bad one. That's a good start. Captain, Captain Marvel stuff to talk about. Great trailer, by the way.
1: Indeed. So, yes, we're going to be talking the Captain Marvel trailer amongst a lot of other shit this Sunday, 8 o'clock. Join us then. Geek Vibes Live. Uh, until then. Sure.
4: More- all right. Thank you. Take that for data.